Blog Talk Radio. Monday, February the 23rd, 2015, and I'm your host, John Hansen, and I have to tell you, it is cold outside. I mean, it seems that most of the country uh, on the east uh, is is uh, sort of weighted down under unfathomable amounts of snow. Uh, up here, north of the 49th parallel, well, we've had uh, not as much snow The freezing temperatures have even caused the penguins to move south. No, I'm kidding. Nonetheless, that's my rant. Well, I don't know if it's a rant, but certainly my lament of the uh, cold winter season. Uh, To those who are able to head south someplace to warmer climates like Cuba and whatnot, enjoy the beach. I'll be thinking of you and and dreaming of, of, of warmer days ahead. Nonetheless, I digress. As we do each and every Monday at this same time over the same virtual airways of the Blog Talk Radio Network, we welcome Kelly Barner from Buyer's Meeting Point to share with us news from the world of procurement. Now, what's interesting is this week, Kelly's going to be recommending events from IACCM, uh, Nependo, uh, SAP and Ariba, and of course the PI window, which you know is always nice. Uh, we had a great interview last week, and I think Kelly's probably going to be talking about my interview with Patrick Grady from uh, uh, Deem, which is a very, very interesting. In fact, uh, we talked about the democratization of the e-commerce world. So uh, be sure to uh, tune into to, to that interview as well as these other venues. And of course, where would we be without the weekly guest audio soundbite, as we call it? And this week we're here from psychologist Roy Bomeister regarding a study into willpower and decision fatigue. And consider, as Kelly puts it, what steps we can do to ensure optimal decision-making in a fast-paced and demanding environment. So without further delay, Let's welcome back to the show, Kelly Barner. Thank you, John. This is the Buyer's Meeting Point weekly update for February 23rd through the 27th, 2015. This week, as it stands right now, has a very busy 26th, with eight events scheduled in a five-hour period. If you happen to be busy that day, there is also one loan event taking place on Wednesday, the 25th. For my recommendations, first up is the idea-driven organization, unlocking the power in bottom-up ideas being offered by IACCM. In this webinar, Dr. Alan G. Robinson, the co-author of Corporate Creativity, will discuss the fact that, quote, some 80% of an organization's potential for improvement lies in frontline ideas, end quote. The primary challenge with all this, as it is with any value chain, is getting that information over the last mile or from the front line where the idea is sparked to the person with the visibility to vet the idea and then the authority to carry it out. This talk will show you how the best managers and organizations encourage, collect, and implement large numbers of employee ideas. Idea-driven organizations are led and managed in a totally different way, are purposefully structured for the flow of bottom-up ideas, and employees and managers are constantly being trained in new ways to come up with more and better ideas. At noon Eastern, 
John continues his Procurement Unplugged series by speaking with Linda Regano and Kristen Carty of ThomasNet, as well as Nick Amaturo, one of the ThomasNet ISM 30 Under 30 Rising Supply Chain Stars. Each of these Procurement Unplugged sessions asks what John considers the three most important questions for 2015 and looks to get each participant's honest responses in an open, off-the-cuff format that never disappoints in terms of interest or unpredictability. At 1 p.m. Eastern, Nipendo is presenting a 30-minute webinar on the White House, Supplier Pay, Early Payment Opportunities, and You. If you don't happen to be a first or second to your government supplier, you may have missed some of the changes taking place over the last year or so with regard to making sure small businesses are compensated quickly enough that it does not hurt them to sell to the government. Supplier pay is actually the second of two federal initiatives in this area. The first was Quick Pay, passed in 2011 and renewed in 2014, which speeds up the payments to small suppliers, ideally within 15 days. Supplier pay, which was passed in 2014, is the same idea, only it encourages federal contractors to pay their small subcontractors more quickly. In this week's event, David Gustin from Trade Financing Matters and Isle Rosenberg, the CEO of Nipendo, will discuss how companies can provide early payment opportunities for their total spend, not just a few indirect categories. My last recommendation for the week is Smarter Procurement Through Effective Collaboration from SAP Ariba. I like how the position of the content of this webinar with the following lines from the event description, quote, as a purchasing professional, you need to ensure you can deliver recurring annual cost savings and drive operational efficiencies, all while supporting an increasing set of non-cost objectives and without incremental resources. Smarter procurement is non-negotiable, it's a necessity, end quote. In other words, no need to bellyache about savings versus value. It is what it is. It's time for us to move on and make a plan. And when it comes to that plan, not surprisingly, they are positioning supplier networks as a way to do far more with the same or less resources. Whether the answer for you and your organization happens to be technology or some other approach, this event is worthwhile to attend for the input the speakers can offer around balancing and prioritizing your efforts. Check the Buyer's Meeting Point events calendar for the scheduling and registration links for these events, as well as those coming up. Next week, we kick off a new month with events from Proxima Group, Gartner, and Advanced Purchasing Dynamics. For this week's guest audio, I want to share a concept I recently researched for an article I wrote for Design News. Decision fatigue is the idea that sequential decisions, even if they're small ones, have a deteriorating effect on a person's willpower over time. In the 1990s, social psychologist Roy Baumeister conducted a series of studies that looked at ego depletion, a phrase he coined in homage to Dr. Sigmund Freud. Baumeister's studies were based on the idea that one decision or exertion of will made it harder to exert a similar level of energy when faced with a subsequent choice. For instance, resisting the temptation to binge on a sugary snack makes it harder to maintain the same level of self-discipline later. To quote a New York Times Magazine article from 2011, willpower turned out to be more than a folk concept or a metaphor. It really was a form of mental energy that could be exhausted. The experiments confirmed the 19th century notion of willpower being like a muscle that was fatigued with use, 
a force that could be conserved by avoiding temptation, end quote. In the following clip from a presentation Dr. Baumeister made at the RSA in 2012, he explains the idea of willpower and how restraint and decision-making both affect our store of it. I will put the link to the full video, which is absolutely worth 15 minutes of your time, on today's Blog Talk Radio episode page. Let's listen. Uh, we say willpower, uh, to understand it for your own life, it's, it's like a muscle. It's something that gets tired when you uh, uh, exert it, uh, so you can look at the depletion effects like that. But two other effects are also relevant. For one thing, uh, these are not that your willpower is gone, but like a muscle, a muscle will start to show fatigue effects when it's a little bit tired. And third, uh, like a muscle too, regular exercise over a long period of time uh, will strengthen the muscle. And there are about a dozen published studies now that have shown having people perform almost arbitrary exercises of self-control for a couple of weeks um, the first study we had that worked had people work on their posture, sit up straight and stand up straight uh, for uh, whenever they think of it for two weeks, and then came back to the laboratory and they did better on laboratory tests having nothing to do with posture uh, but uh, just being uh, laboratory self-control tests. You have one resource of willpower. Some people think, well, I have good willpower for... Uh, uh, doing my work, not so good for dieting, good medium willpower. No, you have one stock of willpower. You may allocate it differently. Uh, you put it into one thing, it uh, may not uh, be available for other things. Uh, I've been talking about the uh, the New Year's resolution issue, uh, and uh, on that the implication is um, if you must make several resolutions, do them in sequence because each New Year's resolution is usually a way to change yourself. So it takes self-control, it, it takes willpower. Well, if you're having several of these at once and trying to change your life in four different ways, each time you put energy into doing one of them, you're taking away the energy you need to do the others. Uh, so it's best uh, pick one, do that one, succeed at it, and then move on to the next. Succeeding at the first will uh, actually strengthen your muscle and uh, uh, give you a greater capacity to do the uh, the next one. Now, we mainly associate self-control, willpower with self-control, but that's not all it's used for. Uh, but it turns out it's also used for uh, a couple other things, a decision-making, now well-established that after people make a bunch of decisions, they've used up their willpower and then their self-control will be worse. And we also have some uh, studies not yet published, uh, initiative, taking action, being active instead of passive, not choosing the default option, things like that. Uh, those two uh, consume willpower, uh, and after you do them, your uh, self-control will be will be compromised. Works the other way too. If you use up your willpower on self-control tasks, then your decision making uh, uh, is compromised, and uh, uh, the effects of decision fatigue. Uh, a variety have shown one people will prefer not to make a decision at all uh, when they make it. Less compromised decisions become more impulsive, uh, also more subject to irrational bias when willpower is depleted. Before you dismiss the idea of decision fatigue as soft, let me give you this real-world application of the concept. Do you know why Steve Jobs always wore a black turtleneck, jeans, and sneakers? No, it wasn't because he was a tech geek. It was to avoid decision fatigue. By getting up every morning and automatically putting on the same clothes, Jobs minimized that decision fatigue, and he wasn't alone. Brilliant, successful people such as Mark Zuckerberg and Albert Einstein saw the wisdom behind it. By sparing themselves the minute decision of what to wear each day, these influential people saved the energy associated with making that decision for a more consequential choice later in the day. Decisions that must be made in succession, 
late in the day, or at the end of a project, and with quick turnaround require the most willpower. The more fatigued a decision maker becomes, the more likely they are to play it safe, which is hardly the way to achieve creative or innovative results. The ill effects of decision fatigue are avoided in two ways. The first is by minimizing the number of non-essential decisions made on any given day. And the second is by preserving decision makers' willpower. Whether the need is to maintain discipline or to stay fresh in the face of important decisions, it's important to guard our level of willpower over the course of the day, remembering that personal and professional decisions take an equal toll. But even once we accept the concept and the consequences of decision fatigue, we're still left with the need to prevent it. And this may be particularly pertinent for procurement today as we find ourselves at the crossroads of tremendous change. After all, it isn't just the changes themselves we have to survive. It is that change dynamic itself. So what are we supposed to do? Although it seems simple, making an important decision in the morning can improve both the clarity and quality of the rationale we apply. Whenever possible, delay a choice that arises late in the day until the next morning. When that isn't possible, maintain an awareness of the role that decision fatigue may be playing by acknowledging the unfortunate timing and discussing why the choice is being made. Be on the lookout for anything that smacks of the status quo without a clear reason to do so. This may prevent overly safe decisions from being made just because the team is too drained to come up with anything better at the moment the decision arises. Better yet, plan ahead for important decisions. If a decision is expected or imminent, make all non-essential decisions the night before. It sounds simple, but it works. Lay out clothing, make breakfast or lunch in advance, and put other small details in order. Doing this will preserve as much willpower as possible for the decision that must be made the next day. But before you go out and exchange all of your clothes for black turtlenecks and jeans, remember that it is much about recognizing the psychology of decision-making. All of our decisions affect our ability to maintain our discipline and to make subsequent decisions. That includes personal, professional, small, and large choices. It's important to put a strategy in place to make sure that the distractions and wear and tear of trivial decisions don't derail the potential of the consequential ones. Has there been any discussion of these sorts of decision challenges at your company? What sorts of things do you think you already do to help keep a fresh store of willpower at your beck and call? As always, you can share your thoughts on this week's guest audio or recommended events by commenting on today's episode page or by connecting with me directly on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. I'll be back next Monday to review upcoming procurement events and share another guest audio excerpt. Thank you, Kelly. One thing, well, actually, two things I want to mention. First and foremost, the interview with the top 30 under 30. Uh, that has been postponed till a later date, probably in March, because we're looking at actually having more than just one of the uh, top 30 under 30 winners. And uh, I will definitely keep you uh, updated as to when uh, that uh, interview will be rescheduled. Now, on the topic of the, the, the Bowmeister discussion and uh, overload, one thing that's most interesting is, is we live in what I call a hyper-connected world. And that means that we are constantly being forced to multitask and deal with multiple balls in the air, as they say, at the same time. 
ironically, and a study uh, that uh, talked about this phenomenon, although I, I don't know if it's a phenomenon in, in, in so much as it is uh, uh, an unwarranted or unwanted demand, the human mind really only has the capacity to think and deal with one thing effectively at a time. Yet how many times do you find yourself dealing with an email, answering the phone, and thinking about the next step you have to take, let's say, in a procurement process or in, in a task at hand? So we're constantly being forced into a, a, a non-sequential uh, decision-making uh, mindset or frame of mind that, that automatically quite frankly, uh, makes uh, makes everything sort of suffer to a certain degree. At least this is what the study found, is that, again, the human mind is not geared towards effectively multitasking. So one of the things that I think is interesting about what Kelly talked about and, and, and the Bullmeister idea is that, and in particular the Job's reference, is that if you, uh, or Job's reference, is that if you if you look at, at, at eliminating as much extraneous uh, uh, efforts or requirements, and have a certain degree of certainty or framework, that is a very good thing because then it eliminates yourself of having to think through uh, and deal with more things in the air than you would have to. However, on the other side, the real question, I think this is where we want to go deeper into it is, is what happens with those things that are out of our control. What happens with the world again, where the workplace, we now have people being laid off. We have uh, fewer people required to do more things and do them simultaneously. How do we deal with that reality that is being thrust upon us? How do we manage that process without becoming paralyzed by it? And I think that's really something that warrants a further discussion and, and certainly a much deeper investigation. But nonetheless, uh, I think today's audio what it does is it gets us thinking and becoming more aware of the fact that you know we have to look for ways to uh, to 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 simplify the the process not only with relation to decisions but also in terms of the task we are required to handle on a regular basis. Just want to remind everybody that each and every uh, Monday at the same time over these same virtual airwaves, uh, we bring to you another update from Buyer's Meeting Point, Kelly Barner. So make sure you mark the date uh, and uh, or the day and the time in your calendar. Uh, for those, of course, who are unable to join us live, no problem, because the entire segment is recorded, which means you can listen on an on-demand basis. Until I come at you over these virtual airwaves again, I remain your host, John Hansen, and wish you a very good, exciting, and productive week. <laughs> 